Are you subscribed to the Deeper membership? You'll get every episode a week early and ad-free. There's also a bonus episode every fortnight, even during holidays. I never stop for the Deeper. I've created so much premium content for you there. It's only $4.99 a month, which is like $1.25 a week. Subscribe to The Deeper on Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus for Android. Links are in the show notes. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I felt as though I couldn't keep my kids alive. I felt oh. as though I had tried my hardest in those three months that me and their father had split up. And I gave that three months my absolute fucking everything that I had. And when that happened and he died, I fucking felt as though these other kids are safer without you. You can't even fucking keep your kids alive, man. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. So you might know Nix from social media. She makes really funny Instagram videos, lots of skits, lots of laughs. But behind this is an incredible incredible story. A woman that lost her baby turns to drugs and pure mayhem ensues. This is part one. Trust me, you're going to need to listen to part two. Take a deep breath. This is a biggie. Content warning. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. It's been two years in the making, but finally, Nix, welcome to the deep. <laughs> Thank you. God, two years, it fucking has been two years. Oh, my God. <laughs> and do you know what? I'm sorry, but you've just become more and more famous. That's what's happened here. It's like when we started talking, it was like one level, and then every time I'm watching <laughs> you, it's like, shit, now she's on TV, now she's got this campaign. This is pretty incredible. Your story, for those that don't know you, we're going to go there in its entirety, but you had a very different life in 2018, four years ago. Yeah, hard. And that's when I was watching you and you were saying you've been sober for four years. Yeah. It's a little bit unbelievable because things have happened very fast, but prior to getting sober, can we go back to the time where things started to unravel. Yeah, for sure. Because you were a stay-at-home mum of three. Your kids were what ages at that time? Three, two, and our one-year-old, yeah. Shit, that's really close, man. (laughs) 
had out it was it was like fucking bang 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 and every time i got pregnant i was like bro what the fuck i know god you must have the doctor would have just given you the clearance to have sex and you would have just been pregnant again oh my god yeah so can we talk about beautiful alaska Mm -hmm. he was your youngest yeah yeah so he was yeah 16 months he was a cool fella, man. He was a real cruisy baby. I still can remember, you know, just watching him crawling along the couch and see his big eyes when uh, he'd wake up in the morning and stand up in his, on the side of his cot and just make those sounds in baby language. It's like, hey, somebody, <laughs> come and save me. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's just like grunts and, oh, fuck, he was so cool. He was such a good baby. What happened that one morning? He was the type of baby that if fucking flu was going around at daycare and stuff like that, guaranteed he was going to catch it. But in saying that, he was strong as fuck. Like he'd pull out of it every time you know like all the time um and we had no worries about him ever falling really sick you know so when this happened it was yeah it was made it even more of a fucking shock because it was like fuck this boy's so strong Mm -hmm. um but yeah that morning I woke up um the two big ones which were three and two would you know walk out and I'd make them Milo's or make all three of them Milo's and then Alaska would be standing on the edge of his cot, you know, so I'd go in and grab him. Did he have one of these coughs or colds at this time or was he just... Well, he had had his final immunisations a week before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fuck, this isn't my first time at the rodeo. I know that when kids have their immunizations they're going to have a little bit of a runny nose and shit like that yeah uh, yeah. you know leading up to a week later or whatever so yeah yeah, he did but I'm like I said I'm that type of mother that the night before every every bottle I made I would put a little bit of pimo in there at nights you know just in Mm. case he woke up with a fever or something like that I'd also rub Vicks on him just so he could breathe better better at night and I had done that the night prior so like I said it was nothing out of the ordinary you know because fuck I've, I've had four kids and they've all had the immunizations I know how it rolls and the most that we can do is just give them a bit of pamo and and put the vicks on their their feet and put mm, their socks mm. on and shit like that. So, mm. so I did that um, the night before. Anyway, the next morning, Jordan and Russia came out as per usual um, at about something around seven, and. I had got up, I made their bottles, and I said to them, "Where's liquor?" And they said. Um, liquor's sleeping and I was like oh okay shit he must be having a good sleep Um, I went in to check on him and he was lying on his stomach and he had his foot one foot was poking out the side of his um, cot and he had no sock on that foot 
and you know just a mother's instinct you just want to grab their little lovely feet and mm. you know but but at the same time I didn't want to risk waking him up because I thought oh fuck he's having a good sleep like shit mm. so mm. I didn't touch that foot um, instead, I looked at him. I I stared at the back of his, um, you know, pajama top, and I swore that I had seen it move. You know, with with each breath that he was taking. So I mm. thought, yep, sweet is cool. I'll leave him here. Anyway, it got to about eight o'clock, and I thought, fucking hell, this boy really is bloody, you know, going for gold with his bloody his sleeping. I. At that stage, had made the kids their breakfast, three bowls were sitting on the bench, and I had gotten the other two ready for daycare, and at about five past eight, I thought, uh, yeah, nah, little boy, time to wake up. You're going to school, bro, you're going to school. Mm. Um, and I walked into the room, and I I just started calling out to him, you know. I, I actually walked straight to his, his um, wardrobe, and I started... Um, going through, looking for his clothes, pulling out a little pants, a little top. And at the same time, I'm yelling out, Licker, come on, you know, it's time to wake up, fatty. Um, and then when I turned around, um, I I just felt like my fucking heart sunk because it had now been over an hour. And the first thing that I noticed was that foot outside of that cot. He hadn't moved, and, you know, we know our babies. They fucking move all the time. And I thought, that yeah, my heart sunk when I saw that foot. But at the same time, you never, ever think that my child has passed away. That's just never a thought that we would conjure in our mind. Um, I did think when I saw that, like, what the fuck? Um, but still never took it there so to speak then I started walking over to him and I said Laka you know I started getting a bit louder um and I went to go grab his like just put my hand on his back and kind of you know how you just do the yeah. little kind of gentle nudge um and he, he was still on his stomach and I at the stage was still yelling out and when I went to go pull him back towards me pull his shoulder instead of just his shoulder moving back and forwards his entire body rolled when I pulled it oh. you know pulled him towards me and yeah. when his body rolled um I could see that his eyes were wide open oh my and god that was the moment that I was like what yeah yeah I just fucking like I just screamed because even though I didn't know what the fuck was going on, I knew that his eyes should not be open, you know. Um, and I ran out, and my cousin was living with us, and I ran out. I was fucking screaming. Um, and she comes out and she goes, Cuz, what the fuck are you screaming for, you know? And I literally for the first time in my entire life I couldn't open my mouth and I just pointed and I had fallen on the ground because I just felt like my my legs had fucking given way now I just pointed to the bedroom and she was like what the fuck you know and she walks into the room 
and and I waited and it was like just this fucking silence in in that moment of time um where she had walked in and it, yeah and then she screamed and she came running out and fuck it was just like what the fuck is going on here what's happening what's just happened like what the fuck and it's just yeah it's just something that you know we hear about it we see see it on tv and we we watch it on movies and things like that but you just never fucking think that that's gonna happen in your family with your children like yeah so that's Mm. yeah that's what happened it was a fucking nightmare i'm just so sorry Mm. i think the fucked up part is there's nothing that can prepare you for that nothing Nothing, at all nothing nothing there's no courses no nothing I don't know the entirety of this story, but I, I'm just assuming at this point we hear about cot death yeah. and, and SIDS. Yeah, I was always paranoid about that. Yeah, me too. And there is a time frame that, you know, so the minute my any of my babies made it past that time frame, I was like, fuck, we're safe. Yeah. We're safe. And when that happens, yeah. Sudden infant death syndrome. Is that what they found out? No. It came back inconclusive, inconclusive, but it it also said on the coroner's report that um, it's inconclusive, but it looks like it could possibly have come from this. And just saying that it was a virus, it had um, something about... Um, a dog as well. Um, what? It was just fucked up, yeah. But I, yeah, what happened from that point kind of unraveled. It, I felt as though it was um, something to do with his immunizations. I was so angry as well because on the morning that I took him in for in- injections, I took him in and I-, I had gotten a phone call from the daycare and they said that Centrelink had just contacted them, said they were going to cut our Centrelink off because Alaska hadn't been immunised. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I rushed straight down there, picked him up, took him in, and he got his immunizations. you know. And I just felt as though there was so much that had happened that, um, like, just medical negligence um, because there was a lot of times that I had taken all three of our children into the medical center to get their immunizations and that, and they would fuck up my kids' names. So, for example, I'd be sitting there holding, you know, they'd say, oh, yeah, um, can we have um, Alaska, you know, so I'd hold Alaska and then as she's going, like, coming towards us with the needle or whatever, she'd be like, oh, okay, Jordan, this isn't going to hurt a bit. And I'd, like, pull pull him away and I'd be like, Jordan. And she's like, yeah, we're doing Jordan's injections. And I'm like, you just, oh, fucking, this is Alaska, you know? So, and that happened quite a lot of times. That's very weird, oh, isn't it? Fuck, I know. To, to mess up something that, that serious? Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm assuming when something this traumatic happens you then go back and dissect every single thing that could cause this you know 
I, well, I mean, fuck, when something happens like that, you're kind of at a crossroads on how you're going to fucking take the next step, really. Because can I just, can I just ask, are you anti-vax? No, no. So this isn't like a, I don't want my babies to get vaxxed because I'm scared. No, this is, no, I am pro-vax, no. but I think that there may have been. Yeah, uh, it was medical negligence. A mistake. Yeah. You know, had they given him the proper fucking immunizations, he would have been sweet, but they weren't. They were fucking it up and giving him the, the doses that were meant for his brother that was fucking a couple of years older. Mm. His poor little body couldn't handle a fucking immunization like that. Did that autopsy prove that to be true? Oh, man, that fucking autopsy. See, what had happened was he, in his short life, he had only been at two medical centres. And my thing is, if you, he's only 16 months old. If you're fucking doing an autopsy or or something like that, wouldn't you fucking do all your your, um, digging for both the medical centres? I mean, it's not a long life. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to get all the details of, of the medical centers and things like that? Because um, the second medical center, he had only been there for a couple of months. Mm. He was at this other one for, you know, his whole life, and that's where that lady was working. Right. Um, and the coroner didn't even get anything from that medical center. You know, like, is it was it really that fucking hard to just go to that medical centre because that's where the fuck-up started Yeah, and get those details? So I went in there. I went to that medical centre like a crazy fucking ball of fire and mm. I was like, I want every fucking, you know, every single piece of paper that my son's name is on. I want a fucking copy and I'm not going anywhere till I get it. I was crazy fucking going for them because um, I felt as though the coroners and that they weren't going for them. I had rung the coroner's office and I had said, hey, have you contacted this particular medical centre? And they said, well, no, we haven't. And actually the case is closed. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. You know, um, by now, which I should state, as soon as he passed away, I turned to my substances. Can we talk about that then? Because yeah, this is, hard. let's go, let's go there. Cause this is a huge uh, part of your life that you do openly share. Yeah. Let's go there. Let's go to that moment now where your cousin's in the room. This has hit you that this is a real thing. This is happening. Wow, yeah. See, it didn't even hit me until actually the house was fucking cornered off by the police, by the tape. Um, We had doctors in the room. We had forensics in our house. And then it was just like, what the fuck? You know, we had just woken up that morning. Yeah, like um, a normal day. Milo's, you know, just a normal day. Put Rio on. I still to this day can't watch that movie because of that. Um, put Rio on for the kids. And we were just pretty much just hanging out until he woke up. Where are the other babies at this point? Because... They were on the other side of the house. Um, they were on the other. We had, like, our house was pretty big. Um, and so we had the kids on one side. 
So, and, and I think that was the hard part as well. My cousin, I had said to my cousin, those two kids, they can't know that anything is happening. changing or anything mm -hmm. is happening. Um, so stop crying, you know, and fucking, I need you to be strong for those kids. And she did. And that was just fucking awesome. Where's your husband in this? We had kind of separated um, three months prior. Oh, so he had shit. moved out. So it was only me and the kids. But before I had rang anybody, before I had contacted the police, contacted the um, ambulance, I had rang him. Of course. And I, I just said to him, um, you know, Alaska. And he said, what? What about him? What about him? You know, and I couldn't even talk. I just said he's in his bed and that was it. And I dropped the phone. By now, when I was talking to him, I was way out in the back of our garden on my knees um, and I had dropped the phone. And when I picked the phone back up, I could hear him saying, I'm fucking on my way, I'm on my way. And then that was it. He got off. And that's when I rang the ambulance. Did he get he there got before there them? Yeah, he got there first. And he just walked in and the children were at the other end of the house and we were you know um their room was at one end and the children were at the other end and um he walked in and he said where the fuck is my son um and i just pointed to his room and he walked in there and i've just yeah i've never heard a man scream like that um <sighs> and he was just pure anger you know he fucking just walked out um, came right up in my face and, you know, it was just, just anger, anger. And when he had walked out, he was actually holding him. He had picked him up and he had walked out and it was just like, what the fuck have you done? What the fuck have you done? Right in my face and um, spat in my face and I um, punched him in his face, you know, like we were both, Oh, I know. I can imagine. thing of, like, what the fuck has happened to our son, you know, and just fully taking it out on each other. And mm. just at that moment, the police uh, walked into our door and said, put him down, put him down, go and put him back. And that was it. Like, that's, yeah, we're pretty much separated, had to have our conversations with the police and, and things like that. But I do remember... Um, Jordan coming and seeing the police and he will the only thing he was freaking out at his mum like is sleeping you know like oh, everyone's darling. gonna wake him up so oh, that was darling. fucking yeah and I had to um we went outside um and we're standing out there and I I thought to myself I gotta fucking come up with something I gotta tell these kids something you know because they want to see their brother and I had remembered that all three kids were actually learning about um, the sky and about space and about the moon. And and so I, um, outside I said to Jordan and Russia that Alaska had gone to the moon um, and he was going to live there now. And I just thought I needed to come up with somewhere that we couldn't get to, you know, so that... Yeah. 
um, they wouldn't be like, can we go here? You know, like they they were learning about the moon. They knew yeah. that the moon's way up there. And and that was just my first instinct was to tell this three- and two-year-old that their brother was now on the moon. Um, but then I do remember Jordan saying, Mum, can we can we get a rocket and go and see Laka? I want to see Laka, you know? And I was just like, fuck. These are the types of things that you don't fucking think about. Shit, what am I going to tell my other fucking kids? You know, like you just, you don't plan for that type of shit, but you got to come up with something because these kids are fucking witnessing police all through their home. Um, mm. They can't see their brother. Where's mm. their brother? And then we had to think about, you know, I remember my mum, I had called my mum and they were living, you know, 18 hours drive away. They were living in Port Hedland and we were in Perth. And um, they came, they got on a flight straight away and they came that day. And I remember them asking me, hey, next, you know, I fucking, I know you don't want to think about it, baby, but when you start thinking about a casket, and I'm like, whoa. You know, like, well, fucking hell, the the fucking kids' bowls are s- still right there. And it's like nothing on my parents. They just knew that we needed to get shit sorted. Where me, I was like, fucking hell, I was just literally making their, their three bowls of breakfast, mm. um, making three milos. Like, now you've got to fucking think about a casket. It's like life just blindsided you. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Just mm. in that moment. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm married to a Maori man and you're a Maori woman and mm. culturally you guys, you know, have the body at home and yeah, it's an open casket and you have yeah. your mourning in a certain way. Does that change because of the kids and things? Like what no, do you do? Well, what happened was because me and him were, we were pretty toxic at that at, that stage you know we had only just separated Mm. because of our toxicity uh in our relationship three months prior Mm. and then i felt as though that was amplified because he uh wasn't there to protect him and he was carrying a lot of guilt and things like this Mm. and it was i had uh pretty much you know real talk i had kicked him out yeah. Um, and so there was this brewing internal anger that I had fucking kicked him out three months prior. Had I not fucking done that, he would have been there to save him. This was from his side of the, mm. the fence, you know. Um, so we had our families have a meeting and we talked about what we were going to do and also in our culture um cremation is not not a big thing you know mm, um mm. but i had told my family i couldn't give a fuck what is right and what is wrong and what's frowned upon and what's not frowned upon in this fucking moment right now i don't give a shit about anybody um i want him cremated 
I do not want my child buried in Australia, knowing damn fucking well I'm not staying in Australia. Mm. Um, and I do not want to leave my child in Australian soil. Mm. So I said that to my family. My family came together with his family. They had a big meeting um, in our garage, and he wasn't present. Um, and his family said, well, that's what he's requested as well, is that, oh, okay. um, is that Alaska is cremated and that you split him into two urns, which again is like, what the fuck? How do you do that? Yeah. But we knew that our relationship was finished and we wanted or I wanted, and I said this at that meeting, if I want to fucking go to Africa, I get to take him with me to Africa. Mm. If his father wants to go to fucking Sweden, he gets to take his son with him to Sweden. And this mm. is why I want him split into two urns. And, mm. you know, at the end of the day, especially in that fucking moment, whatever me and the father decided, that's what was going to happen. How fucked is it that, that that this is a conversation? It's so mind-blowing. It's I so mind-blowing from the cereal bowls. Like, it's just breaking my heart. Mm open oh i had already your... started drinking so yeah tell me about this tell me about this so the day that he passed yeah he died on a friday morning um and then you Were know you a drinker at this point no fuck no me and my partner you know me and their father we were not. We were not people um, that were very sociable. I don't even think I had any girlfriends at that mm -hmm. time um, mm -hmm. because that just wasn't a fucking priority to me. My family was my priority. Yeah. Um, I didn't even have any time to entertain anybody, yeah. you know. So if ever we did anything, you know, maybe a beer or two at a barbecue, but we were the type of parents that we had to have our kids back home before fucking dark time. Because it's five o'clock, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it yeah. doesn't matter if it's a barbecue, whatever. It's getting dark. we got to get our kids home. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's how we were. You are in this, I can't even imagine the state, right, on the mm. Friday that you don't even drink but you know you need to reach for something to survive this. Yeah, well, see, because we were those types of parents, we always had our children, which means that they never really slept anywhere other than with us at our home. Mm. And mm. so this was the first time that one Alaska was not going to be at home because he had to be taken to the fucking morgue. And that was a big fucking thing because I'm like, um, you know, where I hesitate him even going to an auntie's for a night. Yeah, man. And and now he's got to be taken not only to a fucking hospital where and we can't go, but he's got to go down into the cold fucking mm. room at mm. the bottom of a hospital and he's got to lie there on a steel fucking table, cold as fuck, all by himself. Oh my and God. because they didn't do any types of autopsies or anything um, over the weekends, he was sitting there for the whole weekend by himself. And I was just <sighs> like, fuck this, man. And, that's, and I just immediately started drinking. Tell me about that, though, because I'm assuming you don't really have much in the house. 
Oh, fuck. I just went straight down to the liquor store. It was only down the corner. And I just grabbed me a box and I would just sit there with um, a big hoodie over me, big um, fly-looking glasses, you know, with the big lenses Mm -hmm. and my headphones on. Now, at this stage, because the house was still being, you know, forensics and things Mm. like that, it was decided that the two children, Jordan and Russia, would go and stay with their father and his whanau, just mm-hmm. so that the house could be sorted and in preparation of bringing his body home for the three days. We were going to do that at our house. So at this stage, Jordan and Russia were not at the house. So it was just me and, you know, my whanau and, and who were helping to set up our house. And I could just go down the road to the shop and got me a box. And I just sat there crying, you know, with my hoodie on and my glasses. And I just drank. And I was listening to the same songs on my headphone. And I just sat there and and, and I would just drink and drink and cry and cry and cry. Um, But the other thing was we never got his body back until the following Friday. So he was gone for seven days, which is not the norm. Um, mm. But you know they had to; they were fucking ringing, saying, "Hey, um, do we have consent to keep a little bit of his heart? A little, bit, you know, just these kind of fucking things that were like, oh my god." Um, and just you know, it was just drinking away the idea that my child is currently being cut open and there are parts of his brain they said they didn't want to give him back to us any earlier because he still didn't he didn't have a brain inside him at that stage or they you know and it was like holy fuck fuck that I'm not dealing with that and that's why I would just drink and drink and my my mum would she dealt with all of that stuff because I was just like I can't I fucking can't I can't deal with that so, yeah, but then what had happened? So I had a full week of just literally drinking every day until I was passing out. And I would I would ask, you know, I had one friend and I would ask her, can you pick me up? Um, and she'd say, oh, i got heaps of shit to do today, me and my boyfriend. I said, I, I just want to sit in your back seat. I don't even want to talk. I've, mm-hmm. I'm going to have my headphones on all day. I just, wherever the fuck you go, I just want to sit in your back seat and cry, you know, with my glasses on. And she allowed for that. And I remember pulling up back to our house and she had gone in and called for my mum and my sister-in-law to come out and carry me because I was passed out in her back seat from fucking crying and drinking all day. And then I got, was taken inside, put on the bed, and I remember waking up spewing and feeling sick as fuck. And I remember thinking, I can't keep doing this because I can't function with this alcohol. Like, I'm Mm. loving that the alcohol is numbing me, so Mm. I'm not really thinking too much or feeling too much, but I'm hating the fact that I've got no control over my body I can't even fucking stand without assistance and I need something else. And that's pretty much how I turned from alcohol to methamphetamine straight away. Meth, that's a jump, isn't it? Yeah, but but 
I I had contacted my cousin and I said, hey, cuz, fuck, I need to come. I, I need to get out of here. I need to get the fuck out of this house because this house is the house I raised him in. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I look, I remember a memory. I look at our couch and I remember teaching him how to crawl his way along the couch to walk. I look over here and I see his toys. I look over here and I see his clothes. I go to the washing the wash house and I see his towel hanging up. I go here. So it was literally like reliving a fucking nightmare, Mm. you know, everywhere I looked. And so that house was the last place on earth I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so I had contacted my cousin and I said, fuck, take me away from him and take me away. And she um, had taken me to meet, you know, she went to go meet a few of her mates. With this, these groups of people, I was still drinking, you know, but then I, the pipe would be passed around. And that's how I, I fucking ended up getting really hooked onto that methamphetamine. I gave that a go and I was like, wow. Mm. And I, at that stage, I was thinking, well, fucking hell, what the fuck do I have to lose, really? When you say that, and I know this is, um, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway, because mm. lots of people are going to be thinking, well, fuck, there's the two babies, you know? Yeah, but at that stage, the, they were with their father. So you were like, they're safe, yeah, they're, they're okay. Safe, they, they're okay at this stage. It's survival for you. With the fucking funeral still fast approaching. Mm. Like in this moment right mm. now where I'm sitting here and I've got a bottle of fucking alcohol, I mean, in this fucking moment right now, what do I have to lose? If yeah, what, I hear you. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's not I in my you. life, what do I have to lose? But in this moment, moment. what do I have to lose um, in potentially maybe finding alternative substance that will allow for me to not feel anything, but will also allow for me to hold my own self up and function physically because this is like pretty drastic from a wife and mother oh, that yeah. is strict, yeah. routined, right. you know, like your your life is structured. This is what I love about sharing my story is because it just happens so fucking fast. It's like a light switch. But can I also say we do talk to a lot of people on here that have – incredible amounts of trauma and have gone Mm. to drugs and some of them do say and this is very outrageous but if they didn't have the drugs they probably would have killed themselves or fucking hard Hard you know like the drugs i I know this sounds crazy but saved them in a way buffered them exactly the same yeah, for sure. Do you agree I with that? Hell yes. And, you know, people are like, do you regret your drug use? And I'm like, fuck no. Hell no. It's, it's that why I'm still sitting here. That yeah. drug carried me in a time of my life where I couldn't carry myself. Mm. As fucked up as that seems. And also at a time in my life where I didn't want anybody's assistance in carrying me. Mm. you know so i'm fucking grateful to methamphetamine which is like wild that is Um, wild yeah yeah that is totally wild but 
at the same time, um, yeah, it was either suicide or it was fucking methamphetamine. This is the other thing, right? I'm sure pre-Alaska's passing, you knew what meth was, right? Yeah. And you knew that it was pretty wild and addictive and you had your own judgments, I'm sure, of people that do that. Now you're in this situation and you're like, I've got nothing to lose. This might be the better choice. Yeah. I'm going to try it and... There's not much thought other than that, right? Like I'm going to try yeah, it and then nah. uh, I'll be better than I am. Yeah. Really. The, the odds are fucked. They're against you at this point. So you start that. How quickly are you hooked? Oh, fuck. Real quick. Real quick because I Does found it feel that... good? Well, it did for me. But I found that because I, I found that it was pretty immediate that um, – it was actually giving me the same as the alcohol, but I could still fucking function. I could still get up. I could still walk. I could still talk. I didn't really know how I was looking <laughs> mm, mm. Um, at that stage, and I didn't give a fuck because um, I just wanted all the feelings of guilt, all the feelings of um, pain and hurt. I just wanted that to to fuck off really and it did that right it did did the job and it did that and so i was like right this is this is what i'm sticking to this had all happened pretty much in the week wow Um, so the death to addiction was all in a week yeah when it came time to his funeral like when i think about it now it's fuzzy as fuck for me um, high, because really I high. was high as fuck, yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, those are regrets that I'm going to have forever because I was so high, it took the seriousness out of the matter mm. in an out-of-it way. Um, and I hate that I can't remember much of that very important fucking time in my life. But at the same time, that would have killed me. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the biggest thing, I think, when we look at people that are drug addicts and we have judgments and we're like, you know, why can't they get clean and why would they choose that? And these are the stories behind the people. This is the pain a lot of the time behind the people. It is so impossible to live sober that mm. this is the this is the only choice other than death. Yeah. And the only reason that it wasn't death is because I I was scared that if I committed suicide I wouldn't get to go to heaven. And I knew that's where Alaska was. So wow. it became like a fucking earth and living became a prison for me because it's not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be wow. with him. But I couldn't bloody be there because I couldn't fucking kill myself because I wouldn't be able to go to heaven. And the thing was, is it's like, you know, with those types of things, it's like, yeah, but is it real? And and I did think about it. Is it real, though? Is that something that's just conjured up so people don't, you know, Do don't commit suicide? Or yeah. and it was just like, well, try it then. And then it was like, well, fuck, hold up. Um, because what if it is 
at this point, you know, the funeral has happened. You're now addicted to meth. Are your babies missing you? Yeah, I would say so. They they weren't. They never came to the funeral. Um, they never came to see him. It was decided by um, you know his father and his father's side that they didn't want the kids seeing their brother like that. They wanted them remembering Alaska how they remember him, which is fair enough. Is your ex now aware that you are gone? No. no. Because I tried to um, kind of just pretend as I was just the alcohol. So were they staying with you? Like, where are you going? No, yeah, they, they, what had happened after the funeral and stuff, um, he just wanted to have them more and more often. So, for example, it went from him having them maybe every, every fortnight weekend to um, me having them every fortnight weekend. And it was quite rapid, my decline, because every time he'd ring or say, hey, I've, you know, is it okay if I keep these kids for a little bit longer? Yep. Straight away was my answer. Yep. Now nah, that's cool. Because what that did was allowed for me to chase this drug and be numb again. And that was my fucking priority at that stage in my life. Which is, you know, uh, a catch-22, right? Your children are your everything, everything. Mm -hmm. You've lost one of them. you still got two of them, but you can't survive yeah. without now, the drug. Now, the thing was as well is that when that happened to Alaska, I felt as though I couldn't keep my kids alive. I felt <gasps> oh. as though I had tried my hardest in those three months that me and their father had split up and I gave that three months my absolute fucking everything that I had and when that happened and he died I fucking felt as though these other kids are safer without you you can't even fucking keep your kids alive man Oh, that makes so much sense. To me, it was like, yep, no, they are in a better place. So you're not just dealing with the death at this point. You're dealing with the who guilt. you are as a mother. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And see, every time I would start fucking spiralling down, having these feelings and, and, and these thoughts about myself and my parenting, my abilities as a parent, I would just shut it all down with a pipe. Wow. And then it would just pretty much kind of turn the volume down on all of those thoughts and that. Um, and that's what I needed. I needed all those thoughts and that to shut up. The thing is, when I spoke to Nix, I couldn't stop this conversation. I couldn't wind it up or wrap it up and I didn't want to. The more I spoke to her the more incredible, the more amazing, the more mind-blowing this story got. And I don't necessarily mean that positively at all. Like, this is wild. You're going to need to listen to part two. And then I started getting clients that were really, really big time. And they would say to me, you know, you're fucking wasting yourself selling yourself and doing that shit. Like why don't you sell drugs and then fucking don't, you won't need to sell your body. 
So I was like, well, fuck it. We'll fucking do that then. And so I did. That's when I started selling drugs. And then I also started getting into trouble with the police. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Are you subscribed to the Deeper membership? You'll get every episode a week early and ad-free. There's also a bonus episode every fortnight, even during holidays. I never stop for the Deeper. I've created so much premium content for you there. It's only $4.99 a month, which is like $1.25 a week. Subscribe to the Deeper on Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus for Android. Links are in the show notes.